Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. How's it going, Derek? That's fantastic. Excellent. Hmm. Joining us this evening is somebody that hasn't been on in a little while. Yeah, like three weeks. Has it been three weeks? (laughs) I don't know. Three, four weeks? (laughs) It's always on. Year and a half? (laughs) John Van Berger. How you doing, John? I'm doing well. How you doing, man? Not too shabs. (laughs) What's new? What's new? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it has been a it's been a while since I've been on. Yeah. You're out yeah, doing your Alan, own thing Alan now. Drummond guy on. I know. Twice. Two weeks. Twice. I know. And we made Man. we made a fortune <laughs> in that swear jar. I know. I know. Well that and you should just charge him to be on too. I Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think we made what, about three hundred bucks in quarters? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Start getting some loonies in there. We're going to be rich. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, up that. Rich, I tell you. Rich. Yeah. Be able to take this multi-dollar corporation <laughs> to the big times. <laughs> <laughs> We're having hot dogs and crap dinner this weekend, kids. <laughs> uh, things are going well, though, John. Yes. Yeah. Very good. busy. But, uh, yeah, things are, things are going great. Good. Well, busy is good. Busy is good. Mm. What about yeah. you, Derek? You doing anything exciting? Um, well, after uh, after my recent public shaming, I was uh, body shaming. I was I started a new workout <laughs> regimen. I'm doing some <laughs> treadmill work and uh, sit ups and push ups and stuff. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Caving into <laughs> troll pressure. Pre- pressure. Troll pressure. Yeah. Troll yeah. pressure. <laughs> wow. Not me. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm still eating the donuts. I'm still eating the cookies. <laughs> I had an apple, but then I put it back in the fridge. Uh, yeah, too healthy. <laughs> Who put this in the fridge? <laughs> you nasty people. <laughs> Gets in the way of the donuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got to move that apple to get to the pie. <laughs> Wait, do cherries in a cherry pie count as being healthy? Have you picked your cherries? Yeah, disappointing. Those, yeah? those trees are coming down. Oh, that's too bad. Everything we've done to try to get them healthy and all that sort of stuff so the cherries just aren't lasting they're just going bad really quick yeah like they'll ripen one day and by the next day they're already rotting oh that's yeah i i got it like a cereal bowl full need to pick them before they go ripe (laughs) then you can't eat them (laughs) well no but they'll they'll they will ripen afterwards well they because you get when we first moved into the house like 20 years ago Mm -hmm. you had like a week Mm-hmm. So you'd start just as they're turning ripe, yeah, and they would be um, a bit sour, and then as the week progressed, by the next weekend, they'd be like really sweet. Okay, yeah, right, sweet and mm-hmm. juicy. So you had that week, and now you've got raw to or unripe Don't to blink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went out the one day and I picked a big cereal bowl full, and that was it. Hmm. And the birds get into them as well, yeah. too, right. Um, so yeah, those are, I think cherry trees are done. Hmm. Um, got, uh, our blueberry bushes are, uh, producing a lot of blueberries right now. So that's nice. We, somewhere along the way, I got to think it came from a canoe trip. Um, we have wild strawberries in our back, in our one corner. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. got a spot, probably 10 feet by 10 feet of wild strawberries. Hmm. Nice. Man, they're good. Oh yeah. Really, yeah. really sweet. Um, yeah, I've been, I mean, there's not enough to bake a pie, but you go out and grab a, grab a <laughs> few, maybe do some pancakes Add or something. Add some ice cream or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we uh we did the um order we do our, our food orders online and then we go and they bring it out to your car so you're not walking through the the grocery store. Oh, okay. We've yeah, been trying yeah. that out, right? And with bananas, you have to say I want six bananas. Well, Ariana thought the same was with peaches. I want eight peaches. <laughs> yeah, we ended up with sixty-four because there's eight peaches in a basket. Oh, in a package. <laughs> in a package. Oh, and she ordered eight packages of eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making some making some pies, doing some candy. I, yeah. I I put some in the freezer. I made this uh, um, uh, cinnamon peach. Stuff to Thing. go over ice cream, uh, <laughs> cooking with it, eating them. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs peaches? We got peaches. Get your peaches here. You'd think that the store would go, do they mean eight peaches or eight packages of peaches? I would have asked that. Well, the store doesn't care. They're buying peaches. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your order. <laughs> hey, check these morons out. There's $150 worth of peaches. <laughs> wow. Look at those people. Hey, how many? Maybe they wanted 64 bananas as well, but we only got eight. <laughs> yeah. Six bunches of bananas. Six bunches of bananas. What are we doing with 114 bananas now? <laughs> oh, these are the modern times we're living in, right? First world problems, baby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, no, I've been, we've just been chugging around and I have been scouting rivers in our area. Newport. Yes. Now, I know you have your, your issues with the keel on your, your boat. Yeah. But I think you should still come out and practice. If I beat it a few more times, the keel should start disappearing. Why don't you just get a grinder <laughs> and grind the keel right off? There you go. The boat won't float very well, but hey. <laughs> It'll float. Just put a piece of duct tape where the keel used to be. It'll hold in the water. See, it's, it's the, that, uh, that keel part is hollow. So if you take the oh, keel off. Oh, so there's off, not as much grinding as I thought there would be. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a We're finding <laughs> solutions, Derek, not making more problems. <laughs> there would be an inch and an inch and three quarter wide strip of nothing all the way down the canoe. Not if you put duct tape over it. <laughs> It'd be very wild. I'm a solution finder, Derek. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> now I need a new canoe. Well, I think that would be good for I mean if if you're gonna get a new canoe and I mean you're already putting holes in it with your canoe pole. I mean that was <laughs> exactly already, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um no, so I went scouting for areas. I, I checked out that one point there was one area after we we went and did uh our our paddling that day and uh did some poling up the river. Um there was another place which is probably about ten minutes north of me that I want to put in. It was it's uh <clears throat> Yeah, about ten, yeah, about ten minutes north. Uh, part of the the, the leash free area where people go. There's a conservation area, mm-hmm. and the river runs through it. I went and checked that out because doing the old googly map thing there. Yeah, you know, you're looking and say, oh, well, the river is right there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think those pictures were taken like either early spring oh, or or fall. High water? Be- no, because it looks like there is um, the river's close. And you see this wide trail oh, that see. goes from the parking yeah. lot to the river. I'm thinking, well, hey, diddly do a quick little, yeah. you know, 20, 20 meter portage. No. 
There's <laughs> trees. There's bushes. There's tall grass. Yeah, it does not. It is not as advertised. Let's just say. <laughs> Uh, but I did find a spot there where we could get down. It'd be kind of tricky to get down there. Um, and I'm sure one of us klutzes would break something. Uh, <laughs> if not our boat, then ourselves. <laughs> but when you look at the river itself, um, it would be a nice sit and paddle river, not a stand and pole river. Okay. Because there's a lot of overhangs and oh, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So, you know, the river looks fine. Uh, you know, there's there's some deep sections, some shallow sections. It, it goes anywhere from, I think, maybe a foot to two, two and a half feet deep. So for practicing, it's perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some fast water, some slow water, you know. So, yeah, for, for practicing area, it was pretty good. But, yeah, the, too many trees. So I went back to the Google. And there's actually a place, like, three minutes from my house. Oh, yeah? There's a Rod and Gun Club. And we know it because there's a toboggan hill there. Well, you go down and you park. At the edge of the parking lot, it's a bridge over the river to this other parkette. Yeah. There's a trail that goes under the bridge, and there's a big sandy section. Okay. Right there. You could actually launch, like, Mm -hmm. 20 feet from your car. Yeah. No bushes, no nothing. And it looks pretty clear each way. How quick is it there just to portage or walk? Do you have to take the car? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have it's up it's up near Taunton. Okay. So yeah, you you don't want to be uh portaging that far. <laughs> like I say maybe a five minute car ride, so that'd be what a twenty minute, thirty minute walk. How fast by plane? Oh by plane depends. Are you parachuting or just <laughs> just free falling it? <laughs> we do things different up here, John. <laughs> I I've learned that about you too. Yeah, well, yeah, pretty much it's us too. <laughs> I, I do not speak for the country, apparently. So I was sitting there looking at, and I the problem with Google Maps, and I'm sure you guys have both found this, is when you're looking at an area, it doesn't necessarily tell you what rivers. And lakes, they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you get down close to Lake Ontario, you got Duffins Creek, right? Mm-hmm. But when you get far up there, it's not saying what, what creek is. You got to think it's still part of Duffins Creek. Uh, but so I, there's a park right there. And I said, what in Google said, what water passes um, Paul Lynn Park? And one of the things that came up was. The sub-watershed management plan. And I started looking at that. I got quite the education on our area's watershed. It was... Because uh, I, sent, I yeah, sent it to you. You sent it to me. And when I first clicked on it, I was, like, I was, I was blown away. It's like, wow, there's a lot of detail. Somebody went to a lot of trouble. A lot of money went into this. A lot mm-hmm. of time. And uh, and so I, I leaf through it, and then I got to the end. It's like 82 pages. Wait a sec. So I had to scroll wow. back to the first, and it's like, wait a sec. This is only Chapter 7. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it finished on page 82. I think it was like 20 or 30 pages long. 
Yeah, and so there, there's so the uh, all the different segments. So this is all Toronto GTA and area. So it's a it's a, just a segment of uh, of Lake on, of uh, the northern shore of Lake Ontario and all the watersheds that flow through Toronto and you know the Humber River, the Rouge River, and the, the, the Duffins Creek, and all those all these yeah. rivers and creeks and all the whole watershed that flows into uh, Lake Ontario. And it's like this is just the small urban section, and yeah, Chapter that, Seven is, was just our area, just Duffins Creek. The whole so, watershed management plan uh, document is two hundred and thirty-seven pages. And detail. I, I mean, I hate to say this, but this sounds like this could be a book you actually read, Derek, for the book club. <laughs> well, I I was gonna get him to read more of it and then just throw that at him, John. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. There you were just of, ruined it. There were lots of pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was maps and pictures. So, <laughs> but it was really impressive the how in depth it was, and uh, I'd like it was very clear that a lot of time, effort, and money had gone into this uh, into the research of all the watershed, which makes sense. You the the uh, the Toronto area are going to invest in this is this is the water that feeds the lake and in all that suffering. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's you can you can see why they would have gone to this trouble. But just as a, I don't think they had planned on it being a resource for urban paddling. Oh, definitely not. But this is incredible yeah. resource for people who want to try out urban paddling of all the creeks that flow into Lake Ontario in just in the GTA, Toronto area. Well, you know, I've always known it as Duffins Creek. Mm-hmm. And the area we were paddling, Duffins Creek. Well, no, that's actually lower main Duffins mm-hmm. yes. is what it is, yeah. right? Um, and when you start looking at this w- sub-watershed map, there's lower main Duffins, there's east Duffins, west Duffins, Miller's Creek, which comes right up by my house. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, there's hardly any water in it. Uh, Gannett Sakagon Creek, Urfay Creek, and Crothers Creek. All of them except Crothers Creek all flow into Lower Main Duffins. <laughs> Crothers Creek is like this thin tree along the far side of yeah. of yeah. our of our town, and it's all all its little tributaries and everything are all Crothers Creek, which feeds into Lake Ontario. So there's only like realistically two outlets into Lake Ontario. Yes, right. Exactly. The, when when it gets down to the major arteries of of the creek system. Yeah. So when you and, and you know arteries is a is a perfect example because when you start looking at the, the the map, it is like arteries into veins into capillaries. Yeah. It's just like a human body, but mm-hmm. it's it's the the land, right? Mm-hmm. And you're looking at all these little things. So I did the the measurement thing from Lake Ontario. To the very top of the watershed, where it all starts, is only about thirty kilometers. Yeah, it's right. There's but a as lot the, of as the crow flies. Yeah. But when you start taking in all those little tributaries and all those little pieces of water that filter in, join in, make bigger, 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 and then eventually turn into lower main duffins, like you're talking hundreds of kilometers of mm-hmm. of waterway. Did you did you notice? I, and I just I. I was looking for it. Is like, huh? I'm curious. Did you look at the uh, the downtown Toronto area of the watershed map? I sort of skipped that part because I was just more concerned about. But yeah, there is a whole. There's bunch. a empty blank 
patch of of just park like it's just brown and a few little parks but you can see where any creeks going are just going to go into like uh, street drains and sewerages and stuff like that and then come out at the bottom end type thing but if you look at the if you just look at the core of Toronto it's like there's nothing left mm-hmm. it's all been paved over and and filled with concrete and so there's going to be like little you know there's going to be a lot of drainages but the, the, whatever cities do to shed the water is is going to be all buried and it's non-visible anymore because there's so many surface streets right yeah whereas here there's it's all residential so there there are still bridges and creeks and and footpaths going over the creeks and and so on so it's it all still exists here but it was like oh look at that patch of nothing <laughs> well when you when you start looking at the 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 watershed map um you can translate it from the from the maps on on the in the the document mm-hmm to Google Maps and follow along. Yes. And yeah, you can see yeah. where the Trans Canada Trail goes. Exactly. Where yeah. Local yeah. footpaths and and golf courses go and there's a lot of golf courses around here. It's incredible. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, it's surprising, eh? Um then you know what, like and then they're talking about the small tributaries. Like West Dovin has five main tributaries that come into it. East Duffins has three main tributaries that come into it. And then each of those tributaries, those eight tributaries, have smaller ones that go into yeah. those sort of thing. Um, Just it makes you want to. I, I so want to. I was itching to go and investigate all these little smaller creeks and so on because it's uh, like uh, just comparing size of uh, the only early experience in the creeks in this area was Duffins Creek with you uh, the other week. Mm-hmm. So I have an idea of of. Uh, you know, you see the little blue line and how wide it is. And so you compare their their map to Duffins and it's like, okay, so this creek here, I know it's probably navigable. That one there looks too small. It's probably just a little stream and so on. So you can kind of get an idea of where you could do some ur- urban paddling where you where you couldn't. So, but there's an endless supply of urban paddling. Yeah. I got to think you got, I mean, John, if you were to Google your area, I would think yeah. there would be a water... Man, a watershed management plan in your area as well. Probably, yeah. You and, know? and a lot of the the water around here is is also because of the cranberry uh, areas. You know, we have all those right. bath waters. Oh, and, yeah. And then there's all of the, you know, uh, the waterways that were constructed during the um, during the Depression. Right. Through the Progress Administration. And yeah, so uh, I've, I've no doubt there is. Yeah, and like I say, it was... I mean, I've lived in this area. I mean, in this, this when I moved back has been, what, 20 years now. And I was here for a few years before that, back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and like like I say, there there's certain places that you go that, oh, yeah, that, well, that's got attached to Duffins or that's got attached to the Rouge out Pickering Scarborough Way or, or something like that. But now that I've seen, actually finally seen this map of the watershed, um, there's parts that I thought were part of the Duffins that were like Urfe Creek or, you know, like I, I thought Miller's Creek was just this little dinky Creek that happened to come by here, but it, it actually goes quite the ways, you know? So you're yeah. starting to see all these new things and yeah, you get to know what's, you know, by the looks of it in the area, what's going to be paddleable and what's not going to be paddleable and, uh, um, well, I think, like I say, I definitely got myself a new uh, canoe polling practice site. <laughs> exactly, right? right? 
Yeah. It's cool when you, when you, for example, whether it's, you know, just kind of out when you're plonking around or whether you're looking online, but when you find something new in a familiar area. Yes. Yes. It, it, you know, this, this last year, I'm going snowshoeing down a place near here. Uh, I went back in. There was a, there was a, a forest road and basically these trails through an area that I had never been on before. And that, you know, I mean, I've lived here for, well, 21 years, and I've been coming up to this area since I was a kid. So to find something new, it was, it was you know, it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, said, like I say, I've been up this way for ages, and I just sort of said, oh, yeah, that's part of that, that's part of that, and never yeah. really stopped to check out because, I mean, we paddle out of the lake or we head north, right, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Right. So, yep. But with everything going on, I mean, we've been getting into the urban paddling the last couple of years. And, and now that I'm looking for more areas to practice in our neighborhood, I've gotten into all this and just, like I say, by pure fluke, found this, found this document. Yeah. The other thing about this water, or su- I, I mean, the one I, I was going off the most is the sub watershed plan. Uh, they starting, they were listing things that they, they need to do in different sections. Right, so like they they would take the lower main duffins, and there'd be little things pointing to different areas on tasks they needed to do to maintain and improve lower main duffins. Uh, they would go to Miller's Creek; that would be on a page that map, and same deal. Blocks saying, "Okay, here we've got to do this, and here we've got to do this, and and whatnot." So you're looking at some of these in- interesting things, and it's like. Pursue archaeological investigations in rural areas to fill gaps in the knowledge base. Restore Mm -hmm. riparian vegetation. Identify heritage farms and history of multi-generational farms. Because, I mean, farther out of the city or, you know, out of our towns here, uh, there's a lot of farms. Yeah. And they go back, like, decades and decades, like generations. Mm-hmm. That that have been used, and they, they all use the water from the from this watersheds, right? Right. Um, improvements to stormwater management practices, and I saw that in a lot of spots. Uh, same with the restore riparian vegetation, I saw that mm-hmm. in a lot of spots as well. Yeah. Uh, remove barriers to fish fish passage. So you know you get the stuff that falls and and blocks. So you know they're, they they got to move stuff. There's a couple of dams along the route, stuff like like um, just cement dams that that it'd be like a beaver dam, but made of cement sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Not nothing massive, but enough to raise the water level behind it a foot or two. Yeah. Uh, stream rehabilitation and naturalization. Increase natural cover to protect local groundwater recharge and ent- enhance biodiversity. Protect critical rainbow trout spawning and rearing habitats. Increase woody debris to improve rainbow trout reproduction. Maintain the sea lamprey control structure. So these are all things that they've listed on these different maps and different sections where they had a, you know, tasks that they want to do to make the the rivers and and whatnot as healthy as possible in our area, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, yeah, it was is quite the uh, little treasure find uh, of the week, I must say. <laughs> um, so you know what, if you can find a watershed map for your local rivers, 
like I say, it's pretty cool, number one, to see how much water is actually running through your area. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think it's one big river, and then you find out it's maybe five or six different ones that all feed into your one river. And some of them, you don't even realize that they're there. Like, you could drive over them, like, a, you know, a hundred times, and yeah. it's like, well, I, I remember crossing over that little bridge, but I didn't think of it. Was, you don't really think of it as a waterway. It's just a, just a piece of road, and you kind of ignore the uh, the sides of it, right? It's like, yeah. oh, that's, that's, a, that's a creek. That's a waterway. That's a this, right? Well... Yeah. A- and you're looking through the ones through golf courses. Oh, that's that's just some waterway on the golf course. When in fact, yeah. it's it's not. Yeah, it's a <laughs> golf course on a waterway. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, that was my my biggie for the week. My my find of the week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, I found a whole lot more areas. I think I'm going to go out and uh, check out that I've seen some areas. Um, just by following some of this that looked like it was going to be some really cool paddling depending on river depth. But I'm thinking we're in a prime area for some, Oh yeah. Some canoe polling, Mm -hmm. canoe polling champion of the world. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But you know what? It all seems, I mean, well down by the mouth there, that was in spots probably six, seven feet deep, you know, uh, going all the way down to a foot deep. So, and if that's like that all the way up, the main branches. Well, now, Duffins Creek, is it, the day we were up there, I think there had been a lot of rain, so it was very murky. I couldn't, you yeah. couldn't see the bottom. It'll clear up. It does clear up, does it? Oh, big okay. time. Yeah, yeah. Because that was throwing me off because, uh, you know, I was either like almost losing the pole in deep water or or it was only like six or eight inches deep. And so you never knew how deep it was in the section where you were. So, yeah. you know, you're bashing a paddle off something or losing the, the canoe pole. It was, uh, it got to be a little bit frustrating because I, I had no idea where the wa- what the water depth was until I was almost falling over it because the, uh, the pole was either hitting six eight feet of water or it was like six inches of water. Well, or following the channel back down, we're nicely cruising along, and also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops, where'd that come from? Somebody lost the channel. <laughs> There's a rock there. <laughs> That's the one thing we did notice about, um, or I have noticed over the years with Duffins Creek. There is a channel through the main uh, river, but it winds back and forth across the river. So if it's twenty feet across for the you know for a kilometer, mm-hmm. that's not a straight channel. That's side to side, windy, in, in and, and if you go off the channel, it gets really shallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's fun. I'll keep you up to date on that, and I think maybe um, if it's good enough, I'll give a couple of the boys a, a chit-chat and say, hey, come on out this way and let's oh, yeah. go uh, do some polling for the day. Uh, John. Yes? You are planning your Erie Canal trip still, correct? Yes. And how's um, it going? Going well. I've been I've been looking at a lot of Google Maps as well right now. We're all <laughs> Googling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know, so kind of mentioned this before, and I, uh, what ended up happening is we had talked uh, some time ago about the 48-state paddle that I, you know, was thinking, this would be really cool, you know, yeah. started looking at logistics and stuff. And then Jan said, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that with you when I retire. And, huh. yeah. And so I thought, well, that could be kind of fun. because That's not that what w- you thought, you liar. 
man. You could say anything to get me in trouble there, wouldn't you? Uh, Absolutely. I, I would pay people to get you into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it it would change the nature of that, but it would, it would basically, it would extend it. And it was like, you know, so there'd be less driving and everything. I thought, well, mm-hmm. that's great. So, yeah, so I think that's going to happen at a later date, but uh, a much more leisurely route, if you will. So it wouldn't be paddle one day, drive to the next state. It would be more like, you know, paddle two or three days. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go down to a different place, you know. Yeah. So, so I was looking around, and I was like, you know, I've always kind of wanted to do go paddle the Erie Canal and started looking in more detail at it, and I got to say, it's, I'm really excited about this. And you think, well, paddle a canal, what's, you know, it's a long straight line and what are you going to do? But this is uh, 360 miles. Ooh. You do that, do that uh, conversion really quick for me, Derek. <laughs> oh, yeah, good luck. 10,000 kilometers. <laughs> it is 10,000 kilometers <laughs> across upper New York State. And so uh, going off the Niagara River over near Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, all the way across to uh, to Albany, basically, and over to the Hudson River. And it's, you know, it's it's beautiful scenery, but the really, the thing I'm actually kind of looking forward to is all of the history along the way. Right. And so there are all of these locks and dams and... Uh, and they're movable dams, which is kind of interesting. And there are all these different bridges and lift bridges and, you know, those sort of upside-down truss bridges. And it it just it looks actually really fascinating. And so, um, so I was kind of putting stuff together on that, and that's going to happen this September, October. Really? Right on. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm, uh, and I think what I'm going to try to do, so there's a, there's a song that a lot of American listeners will know. It was, it's called the Erie Canal song. It's one of the titles. It's had a number of titles over, over the years. It's an old song. But um, it's typically, uh, is frequently taught to uh, grade school children. And you were saying that before, and I, I can't. Can you sing a few bars, John? Yes, please. No, actually, I can't. You don't want to. <laughs> we don't understand what happened this episode. We had good listenership, and then about everybody tuned out. <laughs> it was not a good scene. <laughs> I leave that to the professionals, you know? <laughs> well, I'll let you know when um, we get some. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's yeah so there's the song and, and it was originally called uh well one of the titles was 15 miles on the erie canal and that was uh reportedly the distance that the mules would uh, along the, the the pathway would basically tow a barge because it was mule powered right and uh so they would do about 15 miles a day so what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to try to average 15 miles a day. And as of right now, I've got 15.4 miles a day set up on the trip um, to go through. So it will start September 14th. And the last day that it is open before they close it for the season and start doing repairs and drain different parts of it is October 13th. And so I'm hoping I may leave one day to spare, um, but I'd like to end on October 12th. And if I end on October 12th, I may go back through. There's 
over on the eastern terminus of it, there's a series of locks called, uh, I think it's called the Waterford Flight. And okay. uh, the, the architecture of the locks and the aqueducts and everything, it's, it's gorgeous. And so if you Google Erie Canal or go to some of the different websites, you will invariably see one of the pictures from these locks, and they're, it's stunning. So I think, you know, uh, try to shoot for the 12th, and that way if you've got a problem or something too, you've got a little bit of time to spare, but mostly it's it's going to be, you know, some some uh, paddling with a couple of zero-mile days here and there for, you know, some of the historic towns along the way. Awesome. Yeah, you know, and that time of year, I like paddling that time of year, especially, well, I mean, I always do my birthday Canadian Thanksgiving trip. Um, yeah. In, in October, but mm-hmm. it's a bit cooler and all the tourist crowds are gone. Yep. Right. So you're, yep. you got less people out there and, and when, and hopefully everything's getting a bit back to normal where I know up here they're, they're saying they're planning to have kids back to school next year, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, hopefully yeah. you're not sitting there with tons of, of people in boats and, and stuff like right. that. Yeah. And I think uh, when I was looking at this, one of the things that's really cool with this is, you know, you because it's not like paddling the Wisconsin or the Yukon or something like that, or Yukon in normal year. Well, let me let me preface yeah. that compared to what we're going to talk about later. Um, you know, you can just pull off someplace or get to an island and, and camp. Well, you, you know, clearly you can't do that on the Erie Canal, right? But one of the things that they do let you do on, on some of the locks in particular, they have uh, tent sites set up. And there are other locks where it's at the discretion of the lock master. So you can actually get to a lock, go through it, and then camp at the lock itself. Right. Um, where they'll let you do that. So, um, you know, I'm going through and I've, I've got a spreadsheet out. I've already started going through uh, looking for attractions and it's it's actually going to be really cool it's going to be again totally different from what i'm used to doing but it's just it's fascinating well there's the um lock system here the trent severn waterway yes yeah the same deal you go through and then a lot of them you can camp right at the locks which is really cool uh but yeah i'm looking at some of the the pictures here um and it almost looks like there's raised waterways even Different than the Trent Severin, yeah. Um, but but again, you know that old architecture, and then you know it's gone through several you know iterations over time, right? And they'll 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 reroute it during you know uh, you know different times in its history, and some of those places you can actually go to. A lot of those are in parks now, mm-hmm. and so you can leave the actual Erie Canal at a lock and walk down you know walk down the road a bit to get to a park that has a good section of the old canal, of the original. And it's right. like, I mean, you know, which I, I think will be really interesting. And, and you know, you take a portage cart and, uh, you know, see what happens. Uh, a what cart? A portage cart. Portage from cart. The, from the Latin portages maximus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking at some pictures here. Uh, ooh. Genesee Brewery gives <laughs> oh, Erie yes. Canal tours or something. Uh, like, there's big barges going up and down. Yeah. And now it looks like, what do they call it? The 
Erie Canal Locks and Towpath at Lockport. Now, this is 1895, mm. but it looks like there's five locks that step up. Yeah, yeah. It's And Which again, that's one of those... Cool. It's very cool, right? And you you look at that and with what it was and now, and there's actually like an underground cave there from where they where they had blasted through the rock to get water to move through for those locks. And that's not being used now, but you can go, I believe there's an underground boat tour there now, for example, and a tour where you can walk through the old tunnels. Right. Uh, so, you know, things like that, it's just like, this is really cool. So you figure, you know, if you do, you know, 15 miles a day average, that's about five hours of straight paddling, roughly, you know, depending on wind and weather. Yeah. Um, mm. Which gives you some time for, you know, because later in the season, you're going to have some fogged in mornings. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have, you know, it's going to get dark earlier, but it still gives you time to paddle and then yet see some of those things and, um, the other thing I really want to do along the way is visit different um, first responder groups along the way. Right. So, you know, there's so many rural volunteer fire departments, and, and uh, you know, they, uh, we want to kind of uh, stop and visit some of them and, and just kind of highlight the work they do, too, right? Because you can't say thanks enough to these guys. No, not ladies. at all. So, yeah. Well, I think it'll be a pretty cool tour. Like I say, I if the you know what, Derek, if the borders are open come October, Ooh. I say we zip across to Lockport mm-hmm. and watch John <laughs> go up these five. <laughs> because once he's in the first one, we can start throwing stuff at him, <laughs> and he can't escape for like quite a long use, time. A use for all those frozen beaches. That's it. <laughs> I'm on the Wikipedia page for the Erie Canal, and it's uh, there's a lot of details here. It's uh, it's very interesting to read some of the history and so on. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find all the different locks. There's a map. There's a. It's uh, it looks like it would be a very fun trip. I think so. I like the um, uh, the mule thing because I know if you ever went, was it Upper Canada Village? Yeah, Upper Canada Village. They used to have, because I haven't been there since I was like 16, 17 mm-hmm. or something. Uh, they so used, when when it was originally. <laughs> yeah, pretty much when it was originally built. Uh, <laughs> they actually had uh, a village, like a, a pioneer village set up there that yep. would they would work the way they used to back in, back in yep. the day. And they actually had, uh, I can't remember if it was mules or horses, but they, they were towing. Um, these barges along the, oh, okay, and yeah. there was worn out paths, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, yep. And there, there's actually, I'm looking on Google here. There's actually a picture pulling these big barges, and there's like six or seven horses, uh, mm-hmm. or well, no, they're actually, I think they're actually mules, uh, pulling this barge up the river, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had something it's- similar in New Brunswick. They called it King's Landing. Uh, I don't know if it's probably shut down currently, but. Uh, I visited it many times growing up, and it's uh, you know they grind their own grains, make their own flour. They uh, they're they're these people live there all summer long. It's their summer yeah. job, right? And and they're living yeah. in period clothing, and they're you know the uh, they grind the grain and make flour in the uh, using a water wheel on a little creek. And it's uh, it's really it's really interesting to see how things were done back in the day. And and uh, but so that will be the same thing as this Upper Canada Village, or there's a lot of places like that. There's uh, 
it's just interesting to see kind of drop back in time to see how things were done back in the day, right? Yeah. So I'm sure there's there, a, at the bottom of the Erie Canal thing, there's a whole list of museums along the route, parks and museums that you can stop in and look at. Yeah. And there's a, I believe there's a village like that in, I, I want to say the Rome, New York area. Um, again, I'm just kind of going through, you know, getting that, but I believe there's a village there. Um, and I love those. I'm, I'm a sucker for those. You know, my, the history teacher in me loves that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But, the, but Jan actually, um, was one of the, the costumed interpreters at Old World Wisconsin, which is a, a very similar thing. Um, so yeah, so, I, I, we went down there together, and, and she showed me where she used to work and the things they did, and uh, it's pretty cool. Well, pretty that's cool. why you picked her up. It was a history chick. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I got me an old timey woman. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! You thought you were in trouble before the old timey woman. <laughs> I didn't say she was old. I said she's old timey. <laughs> you think that's going to help you, do you? <laughs> I'm I'm uh I'm really excited about it. there's a lot of if you, you know, and Derek you said you're uh, you, or you both were looking at Wikipedia there. The New York State has a really amazing canal map, interactive map set up. Okay. And that goes through and and it tells you where a lot of these things are. They also have a and we can talk about it down the road, but they have uh, a set of four maps and a, a large book, and you can download the book as well, but that you can get for a $10 shipping and handling charge, basically, and get the, all of the materials for free to plan it out. And the detail is amazing. Hmm. So it's, yeah, and that's what I've been going through. Uh, Lisa came up to visit Fourth uh, of July weekend, and we sat at the kitchen table. And just started going through and, you know, looking out and say, okay, well, where would we be at about 15 miles? What's around there? How many locks do we go through? You know, and, and uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really getting excited about it. It looks like they have all these little historical plaque signs along the way. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just stumbled onto this. They're saying the Erie Canal, but like Pendleton, Erie Canal Village and Portage at Tonawanda Creek Junction, Sylvester Pendleton Clark, first postmaster in tavern settled 1821. And yeah, there's par- different things about the Erie Canal as you go along. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You can I, take I'm... a picture of each one. That's right. That's how I remember <laughs> what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I at? And, you know, the it, it is interesting because there are a couple of areas where you say, well, what will the paddling itself be like? There's some areas where it's very much a, a um, locked-in canal with stone, in high walls, for example. And then other places, it's more like you know, just typical river. The longest straight section that I could find, because I was looking at that too, mm-hmm. was 13 and a half miles that is dead-on straight. Um, so I'm figuring that's a, that's a fast day right there, you know? Um, that's going to be the hottest (laughs) cloud free windless day. With my luck? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, either that or there will be a storm blowing in from the exact, uh, headwind direction 
that I'll be traveling. Oh, it's going to tunnel straight on up that canal. <laughs> That's that straight right. section. That's right. You have the That's tune right. of the radio and, well, it's a pretty freaky wind. We've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Somebody must be paddling on the canal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, you know, it, it, that follows actually a, what is it? Uh, it's about 20 mile, uh, about a 20 mile day um, uh, on a lake. So you're, you know, it, it it's it's a, a, a good 20-mile lake right, I think I want to say, uh, toward the eastern end or eastern third of the, of the route. So it's, yeah, it's, um, I just, you know, like I say, I love doing the kind of the research and looking at logistics on something like this. And there's a lot of cool places to go. So it says the construction began July 4th, 1817. And then there's this little first boat trip from Rome to Utica, October 12th, 1819. Completed, oh, the canal was completed October 20th, 1825. So you're long. pretty much going to be paddling almost 200 years after it was yeah. between started yeah. and completion. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, it's a, you know, and to think it, you know, at one point this was the largest infrastructure product or project, excuse me, in North America, really. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and of course, then the rails, you know, railways came in, the railroads. Yep. And they, you know, this started to drop off, and and over time, then you had the interstate highways, and but today it it is very much uh, designed for. For paddlers and for bicyclists, because the the old mule path is, you know, been replaced with, um, you know, paved and, paved, and yeah. gravel, gravel uh, bicycle routes. So I I initially was thinking, God, I'd love to paddle it one way and then hike back to the put-in, mm-hmm. just 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 walk it. But um, the winter camping symposium over in Minnesota is about a week after I get done. And so it's like, oh, got to be back for that. So, yeah, well, I can do it the next time. It's not going yeah. anywhere. That's but right. <laughs> is are they actually? Do they do any? Like, it, it, is it a working river at all? Canal at all anymore? Or is it all it, recreation? It's there. Actually, it is a working river still. Um, and then you've got people doing, you know, like that Great Loop, right, where they're yeah. coming in, and so you'll see sailboats and some bigger boats and, and some. The canal closes on October 13th, but there are applications, I know, for business vessels to keep going. So right. there's, yeah, they're definitely out there. There are definitely some, you know, some, some uh, commercial boat traffic on there. Cool. I think you're going to have a great trip. I think so. I think we'll I th- have to told- see if you can uh, call in. I think that's a must. That will be cool. Yeah. I think so, you know, because... Um, to go through there and, and just some of the highlights of the paddling, some highlights of the, you know, of the the towns, yeah. right? People you meet along the way, and you know, I, my I've got a friend who's who saw a post that I put on Facebook about doing this and contacted me, and he lives just off the canal, and he's like, "I'll be your support crew." <laughs> it was like, <laughs> there you go. "All right." Do you guys so, smell you know, that? Those, it smells like those, beer. <laughs> yeah, the big questions about where do I, you know, park my vehicle? Where where can I leave it that's safe? All of those things. Mm-hmm. 
those just were all answered. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So my friend Tommy Elliott uh, from, gosh, I, I met him, uh, what would it have been, 2009 in South Africa. He was uh, on that teacher's training trip I was on. He was uh, teaching up in New York State at the time. And uh, he's since retired, so uh, he's very excited to help us out. Well, he should have uh, grabbed himself a canoe and joined you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, so I'm going to be taking out some Wisconsin beers for him, and he's he's like, oh, you're going to love it out here. There's like 450 breweries in the state. <laughs> <laughs> John paddled one mile today. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's yeah, one so more that... mile than he's paddled in the last six. <laughs> yeah. 15 miles a day, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to it uh, and, and see how that uh, turns out. Yeah, yeah, and it would be yeah, it'd be great fun calling in and kind of like we did with the Yukon Journey three years ago now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, cool. Keep us up to date on uh, on plans. Let us know how it's uh, evolving. Yeah, I will do. Speaking of the Yukon Journey, the Yukon River Quest. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks back and, you know, they actually had people, yeah, I've jumped uh, around last thing on their list there. I was lost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John mentioned Yukon Rivers. I figured let's just segue into that. John did a perfect segue. (laughs) We turned left. It works. Derek turned right. (laughs) That's not on that page. (laughs) But at least you were following along. <laughs> For those following along at home, <laughs> we've turned to page seven. <laughs> Bung! <laughs> um, we talk, like I say, we talked about the Yukon River Quest. Uh, it was canceled last year, so they're running it this year. Uh, if you wanted to participate and you were out of, uh, you know, out of, uh, like, in, in a different province or something like that, you had to do the two-week um, quarantine, quarantine thing first. So uh, people actually did. They, you know, uh, people were saying, "Yeah, um, it's going to be a month for us because we mm-hmm. got to do the two weeks, and then you're on the river yeah. and all that sort of stuff." Uh, they said, "You know, there's it's going to be mostly locals this year and that sort of deal." But it was they're doing what they could do, and we're, they're going to hold it anyway. So supposed to start on the Wednesday. The Tuesday, hours before it was scheduled to start, due to rising water levels and concerns for safety of the participants, it was canceled. You would think that they could have canceled it earlier. If they're going to cancel it, why wait to the last minute when everybody is like, okay, everybody's doing their final packs and Mm -hmm. final preps and, you know, getting everything, you know, the final looks at everything. And it's like... If the water levels are high, they're high. It's, uh, you know, it's, they, I think they could have given people a bit more heads up or not cancel it at all. Um, Peter Coates, president of the race board, said people have trained hard and traveled and quarantined in some cases. We were looking forward to a new race record, but faced with 100 year flood levels and the water still rising, it is the responsible thing to do for racers and volunteers. Race officials spoke with the Yukon government officials after the new flood warning was issued earlier Tuesday. 
And with only days ago, the water was thought to be cresting in Carmax. Recent warm temperatures and rain are causing water levels to rise and continue rising. So and they they thought it had reached. Yeah, its, that's the, exactly that's the key point. They, uh, they it was trending up. There was they thought it had crested, and it's like, well, okay, look, we're we are actually looking at a condition and situation where this is only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. We we are not past the worst part of it. It wasn't cresting. We have to make some decisions now. Yeah, and they were saying, you know, because of concerns with water volumes, lack of pullout spots for racers who needed rest or who get into difficulty, and several checkpoints had already been moved. Some uh, may not have been visible, or sorry, viable at all with continued water rising. Now, John, you were saying about CarMax, Mm -hmm. uh, the water on a regular year. When when you have high water, the... It flies down through there. You come into a basically a strait right. uh, at Carmax there, and and that's where the uh, one of the campgrounds is, and that's typically a checkpoint in most of the events that they have up there. And uh, the when it's when it's high water, it's moving. Uh, the first time I went up there, and I was leaving a food cache there, my friend Mark and I walked down to look at the water. And it was flying through there. And it was high water at that time, too, because, and for the same, well, one of the main reasons, they had high temperatures right before we got there. Right. And so it, the water was really high. And <laughs> we looked at it, and both of us admitted later, we're like looking at it going like, holy crap, that's moving. <laughs> and both of us were actually kind of nervous about it. We didn't want to admit it to the other person. <laughs> um, you know, but we looked at it and was like, that's flying down through there right. so you know for that for it to be high enough and fast enough that they decided to cancel the event i i can't imagine what that would have looked like up there yeah it, you know yeah it sounds like it was getting higher and higher and faster and yep. at some point you do have to call it um it sounds like they were thinking it was going to be good but then it was it's, a report on the get, Tuesday yeah. morning. They said there was a report came in of of rising water levels and in degrading conditions. And it's like, okay, we've got to make a decision. I think that was, it's sort of like uh, Canucopia last year. It was last minute. It was a last minute. Yeah. We got to make that decision that yeah. nobody wanted to make. Yeah. Situation changing hour yeah. by hour. We have to decide something. Right. And, and that's exactly what happened here. So yeah. a lot of the racers, they ended up paddling to the mouth of Lake Labarge. A lot of them saying, you know, there's a lot of comments. Well, you know what, we're here. You know, this was supposed to be our very first one. We've been, you know, planning it for two years, even got into shape and and everything. And so, you know, let's throw the boat in. We'll paddle Lake Labarge and say at least we paddled part of it, yeah. that sort of thing. 50 teams, 136 paddlers. Only one team paddled the entire route, 44 hours, 18 minutes. So the race is off, but people still, but one, people at least still one group. Somewhere. Unofficial, yeah. The leader of that one group is a member of the race board. Uh-huh. He, he said, there's, there's little interview saying they shouldn't have canceled the race. Mm-hmm. There was no reason for them. So to he he stated the conditions on the route was were fu- was yeah, fine. Yeah, I don't know if I would want to be a fly on the wall at that next board meeting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you made us look yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, yeah. Uh, but you know what? You gotta call it. Not everybody in that race is going to be as hardcore as this guy was, maybe. And all it takes you know? is is one major injury or death, and then oh yeah, somebody right? screws something up and yeah. ends up dying. That's that's a blemish right. on yeah. the race. You, you can't, can't yeah. get rid of. Yeah, yeah. Then everybody would be screaming, "Why didn't you cancel it?" Damned if exactly. you do, damned if you don't. Right. Yeah. Right, and, and that really is it. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, and like I say, John, with you having paddle parts of the Yukon that they're they're talking about here, uh, they even said like there was there was wind on Lake Labarge and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I remember you talking about Lake Labarge and how the wind came up, and you guys were using the sails, and you were getting a bit uh, scared, thinking maybe we should be taking these down because they're just picking up way too much speed and right and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, you know when you when you talk about, for example, Five Finger Rapids. And, you know, in, in normal times, it's – so I've done that section three different times now. And, you know, you can go through and it's it's just a fun little blip, if you will, and it's exciting and little quick little adrenaline and you're on your way. And then a couple of times I've uh, – well, one time in particular, it was, it was kind of rough. And um, they're saying when the water gets really high, it's either going to smooth it out or it's going to make things even rougher. And apparently – for the Yukon River Quest, they had people there uh, at the time, and they said they had some big waves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and so there was some some concern even there, you know. So yeah, you know, it's it is unfortunate because what do you do, right? Yeah, um, it's, it's a call no one wants to make, but right at the and end you're of the gonna day. you're gonna have more. You know, think about this too, right? Because we're just talking about well, they're they're moving different things, and they're not going to be able to stop in certain checkpoints, etc. But, you know, the other thing you got to think about is all of the debris in the water. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because this is, you know, this is scraping over these islands now, and it's pulling everything off, you know, the islands. All the deadwood and... Exactly. And so you're going to have a lot of crap in the water, too, and, and that can make things a little bit trickier as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A race obstacle course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that sounds like an Olympic sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, well, well, hopefully next year things change and uh, there'll be a Yukon River Quest next year. And a Yukon Journey next year. And a Yukon well, Journey next year. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. We're just knock on wood that the things are going nicely and stay nice and borders open. Yeah. Uh, Tom Thompson, canoe murals. I saw this online. Some of those canoes are amazing. Yeah. A group of local artists are painting seven canoes to celebrate Canadian artist Tom Thompson. Each artist will paint a canoe, and each canoe will celebrate and feature the work of Tom Thompson. Uh, Tom Thompson canoe murals will be painted publicly in Huntsville, um, Huntsville, Ontario here. They're River Mill Park from July 5th to July 11th and will be displayed in River Mill Park until the end of the summer. This year, the focus is entirely on Tom Thompson, whose work frequently featured in uh, featured Algonquin Park. Which, I mean, you go up there, I mean, Tom, Tom Thompson is everywhere in Algonquin. Group of seven, the whole meal. Yeah. And so, and I should just interject here, too. So, for American listeners who don't know about the group of seven, um, by all means, go ahead and, and Google the Group of Seven. And it's these amazing Canadian artists and a, a gorgeous, I mean, landscape and, and 
stunning images. Mm-hmm. So by all means, uh, check it. I saw a, uh, an exhibit about them. I think it may have been at the, the Winnipeg Art Museum once. And uh, that was my introduction to them. You know, and we take it for granted that the group is seven. Everybody knows who the group yeah. seven is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of take that for granted. So, yeah, thanks, John. So, and we've talked with group seven previously, mm-hmm. occasionally. But uh, one thing of note is that uh, really Canada, the Canadian identity, one of the first times we we kind of hit the world stage and where it was all eyes were looking towards Canada was when the group of seven really started coming out and, and they're showcasing their art and so on. And it was, uh, it was something that suddenly Canada had something, you know, the, some self pride in is like, this is, this is our group of seven. This is our artwork. This is you know our Canadian identity. It was sort of the birth of, the Canadian identity back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. like every country gets known for various things. Canada is known for a lot of different things, but at the time during this small period of time, it was the group of seven and, and the world was looking in on Canada saying, wow, look at these artists, look at this work that they're doing. Right. There's a lot of yeah. influence that uh, came and progressed out of that period. Yeah. Well, and like Tom Thompson was the guy that was started bringing all these guys up. Tell Gonquin mm-hmm. into the nature and yeah. and yeah. showing them the places. And they all branched out from there, and you know he. I mean, he lived and worked and everything in Algonquin Park for many years. Yes, yeah. uh, I believe he was engaged to somebody that w- one of the women there is that Winnie mm. Trainer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was still suspicion about how he died. Was it an accident? Was he murdered? Was it a jealous other man? Yeah, and yeah, 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 there's yeah. a whole. There's all. Kinds well, of if stuff. you want to get into the mystery of Tom Thompson, that's a whole another <laughs> story going there. Uh, so Huntsville, they say Huntsville's the gateway to Algonquin Park, which it is uh, from the the west side. Uh, greatly important to the group of seven and their work, and they painted there, they stayed there, they canoed there, uh, and for Tom Thompson, like I say, it's where he passed away, and so Huntsville has that big connection. Mm-hmm. To to that, uh, Dan Watson, he is the uh, Huntsville Festival of the Arts Executive Director. He says you can see around town there are murals everywhere of the Group of Seven, and particularly Tom Thompson. Huntsville is always celebrating his work and celebrating his importance, not only in Canadian art but to Canadian identity itself. Like you say, Derek. Last year, Jerry Latang painted seven canoes, each in the style of a different member of the group of seven. Um, And these, I guess, will be moved to different venues around Algonquin Park until the end of the summer. And the canoes will be auctioned off at the Algonquin Outfitters Paddle Art Auction in September. Proceeds going towards local arts and cultural organizations. Now, we've talked with Randy at Algonquin Outfitters about the, uh, the paddle art um auction every year you've yep. actually bid on a couple of them and, yep. and and won a couple of the the paddles but yeah now could you imagine putting in a bid on one of these canoes i these i imagine this is not something i could afford but jerry's going to be one of the one of the artists that are uh painting this year's ones as well so that's definitely going to be something so yeah, between July 5th and 11th in year, if you're in the Huntsville, Ontario area, you can actually go check out uh, these artists actually doing their work, actually painting. So do it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. by all means. And, and again, 
uh, American listeners, check it out. Uh, Tom Thompson and uh, the Group of Seven. Group of Seven. Yeah. Um, Two stories about birch bark canoes. The first one, Rose Muse and her daughter. They work as interpreters at Nova Scotia's Kejikujik National Park, which is an absolutely beautiful park. Really beautiful for for canoeing and stuff like that. Uh, This summer, uh, Rose is constructing a birch bark canoe by hand alongside Todd Labrador, whose family has generations built canoes in the traditional Mi'kmaq way using materials gathered from the land. For the past several years, they've been honing. Uh, she's been honing the craft that transformed birch bark and spruce roots into the vessels her ancestors once relied on. And building this canoe gives her a connection to her grandfather she never met, because she's seen pictures of him in his birch bark canoe, uh, paddling through Kejim Kujik and 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 the whole area around. So she said that's pretty cool that this will sort of give her a, a connection with her grandfather who would build and and paddle. Uh, they started last week, I guess it was, uh, building the canoe from the raw materials. So they got the pegs, the rocks, starting to shape the birch bark hull. <laughs> and eventually the canoes, their they're estimated is going to be about five meters long. Uh, the good thing about this is through the summer, visitors to the park, uh, which is 165 kilometers west of Halifax, they'll be able to stop by their workshop from Thursday through Sunday between 9.30 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. and watch them working on this canoe. Actually seeing people building a real yep. birch bark canoe. That'd be fun. Now, uh, Todd Labrador jokes that there's there are days he doesn't get as much done as he planned because he gets caught up talking. Like, we've all been there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says, it would be no fun for me to build a canoe without sharing. It's something I, I have to do and I enjoy it. If people know your culture, they can understand things better. If we're not willing to share, how are they going to learn? I love to share with visitors from all over the world, but also with Mi'kmaq youth and elders. And one of the young people that he's worked closely with is Rose Muse's daughter, Cedar, uh, who helped build two canoes as an apprentice in the park in 2018. Uh, when she has a chance, she's she's keen to lend a hand on, on this new one as well. And she says, it's an amazing opportunity to try to get to learn more of the connections with my ancestors had here. My great-grandfather was a guide on the water, showing people places. And I feel like my mother and I were doing it here on the land. So now it's our turn, and we're taking our place here in this world. And that's one of my biggest fears is the loss of culture of the way things were done, um, you know, like, I mean, as it pertains to Canada. And a lot of it is um, the Indigenous peoples. Like, who builds birch bark canoes anymore? Not too many. It's not a common thing, right? And, I mean, if these guys don't do it and don't pass on the skills, it's gone. It'll be dying art, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's one of my, my big things. So see them seeing them do this. And there seems to be more and more of this going out over the last few years, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. 
So yeah, if you're if you're around uh, Kejimkujik National Park in Nova Scotia this summer, definitely stop in and check it out. So I found that article, and then right after I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh, that's pretty cool." I find this one in Ely, uh, Minnesota, the Ely Folk School Birch Bark Canoe. So three years ago, they started building this birch bark canoe. Last year, it uh, was put on hold because of COVID. They've pulled it out again, and last Sunday, they started it. Uh, they're they're continuing to work on it uh, every Sunday, and they're hoping to have it done Sunday, August 22nd, maybe longer, if the weather cooperates. $10 donation is requested for each class if you want to go and help out, which is cool, sort of a hands-on thing, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, yeah, they, they meet outside of folk school each Sunday, one till four, weather permitting community members and visitors are encouraged to stop by, watch, ask questions while the class is working on the canoe. Master birch bark canoe builder, Eric Simula, Simula, uh, is leading the project. Their goal is to complete and paddle the 20 foot traditional Ojibwe style birch bark canoe, uh, which is in its third and final year of construction. Like I say, last year it was put in the garage because of, uh, of COVID. Uh, he noted about 90% of the canoe is actually completed. So this is here's uh, just the, the finishing it all. The students uh, of the school actually completed a smaller 13-foot Ojibwe-style birch bark canoe uh, in, uh, during his first summer at this school. In 2009, uh, he and his dog paddled a solo birch bark canoe around the perimeter of northeast Minnesota on a four-month, thousand-mile voyage. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. In You're a really birch- testing the capability of a birch bark canoe. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, yep. you've got to be able to fix that thing when you're out there. Yep, on the go, yep. yep. It soaks yep. up water as you go, so it gets heavier. Heavier and you know, you're, you're, soggier. Your 50-pound canoe at the beginning, you know, by the end of the week is no longer 50 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> 150. Because <laughs> all that water, right? Uh, so, yeah, it seems that there's a, a lot of people are building birch bark canoes. Yeah. Which is really cool. It is. Very, very. You know, I'm, I'm going to be up there actually that week, but they're scheduled to end that uh, Sunday, August 22nd. I'm going up with uh, Jerry Vandiver, and we're going uh, oh, yeah. to take a, a week-long trip in the Boundary Waters. I think and you so guys need to, need to uh, stop, stop in. in. Yeah. I think so. I think it'd be really cool to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? Pays to pays to join us on a show every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> we get to make fun of you, and you learn stuff. Exactly. <laughs> huh. Um, huh. So yeah, lots going on, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, cool stuff. I would love to be able to stop in and take a look at these boats. Are you heading out uh, east this summer? No. Oh, too bad. Not not. You mean in Brunswick? Yeah. Yeah, things are still there. Things are still pretty tight getting in and out of the province. Like things are starting to open up, but uh, with luck, I may be able to get down there. But uh, you wouldn't end up in Nova Scotia, though. No, no, not Nova Scotia. Yeah, only in New Brunswick to visit my parents. Well, it's not that far yeah. to drive. No, but you don't want to be jumping borders and stuff like that. Me, I would. 
<laughs> I would if I were you, Derek. Yeah. They, yeah. They've, there's been issues at the Nova Scotia and the Brunswick border. There's been protests. Pick up a little bit of speed and those people's bodies won't stop your car, <laughs> your motor home. Yeah. <laughs> like bugs on your windshield, Derek. <laughs> no, yeah. No, we saw some of that on the news, the uh, people yelling at each other at the border. So mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, so yeah, lots going on this summer and uh, I think it's going to be eventful. That's for sure. And I'm going to be checking out more of this these watersheds that's for sure oh absolutely urban power yeah, yeah. Where i come uh that's all i got this week you got anything else there Derek? i've got nothing to add no nothing john you got anything else uh what um oh the podcast will be out uh later this week and we'll have james raffin on it oh cool right and, on. um i'll probably make fun of you guys on there just just because Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> There's going to be a, a war going on eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and then this week's insulting the other hosts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a fun interview with uh, Raph, and he's just, a, just an interesting guy. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. Heads to uh, Antarctica yeah. a lot, doesn't he? Uh, up to the Arctic, yeah. Was oh, it the Arctic? Yep. Yeah, yep. okay. I know it was it's one a, of the cold places. <laughs> one of the yeah, <laughs> one of those icy. Places. Is he into polar bears or penguins? I can never remember. <laughs> awesome, yeah. awesome. We'll look forward to that one. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to our episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, you can listen to all our episodes or stream them, download them, whichever you want. And while you're there, you might as well hit the big old merch button and go check out uh, our our store with t-shirts and neck gaiters and drawstring bags and all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. Uh, John, thanks for coming on this week. Hey, thank you. We'll nice have to be you here. again. Yeah, it's nice to have you on for a while. Derek, thanks for coming on this week. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Thanks for bringing all the beer this week, Derek. Yes, yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're restocked. There, there may be one left for next week. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Thank you.